Oh, God. Welcome back to the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and today, day 10 of 31 of our 31 days of classic horror, we will be covering The Invisible Man from 1933. Welcome back, everyone, to the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, just James and today the invisible man 1933 day 10 of our 31 days of classic horror super excited about this one i'm gonna go ahead and say my favorite so far i'm trying to remember all the other films i really can't i think the only other one that was as cool as this was frankenstein is still up there pretty high i'm gonna say i still really like the frankenstein and the thing i'm gonna say those are probably the top two that i've watched so far but this I'm going to go ahead and say that it was, it's been my favorite so far just because it kind of had elements of both, but it was just a really fun and entertaining movie to watch. It had just the right amount of horror, just the right amount of comic relief, the right amount of just kind of that classic horror, insane, you know, loss of sanity vibe. I don't know. It was just, it was just a good time. It's one of those films where like, man, that was a really good time. It would have been an awesome time at the theater. It'd been a cool movie to watch. Still a cool movie to watch today. So again, I'm not going to get into all of the directors and actors and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of great people in here. There's a lot of people in here that were in Frankenstein. I think I read somewhere that the same guy that played uh, Frankenstein's assistant, He's also the same guy that played Dracula's assistant. And I think he's the same dude in this film. Maybe I read that wrong. I don't know. Let me know in the comments if I'm wrong about that because I can't remember. But I do know, do know one fun fact that I learned was that Mark Hamill's The Joker voice that he used in Batman the Animated Series, quite possibly the best Batman interpretation ever. And if you disagree, you're wrong. But because that is by far the greatest Batman series of any time. With the greatest Batman, with the greatest Joker, with the greatest Clayface, with the greatest Killer Croc and Scarecrow and Catwoman. I mean, oh my god, what a great series. We could do a whole show just on that. But anyway, the voice for the Joker that Mark Hamill did in that show, he actually got from the Invisible Man character in this film. And when you watch it, it's easy to tell why. Listen here. I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> Look, he's all eaten away. Uh, how do you like that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. What's wrong? Well, Jaffers, what do you think? He's invisible. This was the matter with him. If he gets the rest of them clothes off, we'll never catch him in a thousand years. Come on. Absolutely perfect. I mean, that sounds great. He even kind of, you can even tell me that maybe uh, Joaquin Phoenix even probably pulled from this, or at least pulled from Mark Hamill, who pulled from this because it's that same type of just psychotic, out of your mind, demented world destruction mad scientist laughter all right okay so anyway the invisible man 1933 let's get into it all right 
So again, this film was shot extremely well. It moves great. It's not real clunky or anything like that. Very smooth in the way that it plays out. Cinematography is great. And oh man, all the special effects in this film are really good. I mean, 1933, and compared to the other films that we've watched around the same time period, super awesome effects. And the dialogue was good. It had some really... Uh, I guess characters that match the roles that they were put in, like some, like the townspeople, they're played to be really stupid and really kind of typecasted characters. But it works for the role that it that they're supposed to be in. So it's not over the top. It doesn't leave you being like, ah, oh, this is just kind of you know they're just kind of writing this off as making it part of the story, whatever. So I really enjoyed that part. But the opening scene for this instantly draws you in, and the Invisible Man draws you in because he's so covered up, you know, so mysterious. He walks in. It's snowing its ass off outside. He comes into a bar where guys are just hanging out, having some beers, keeping warm, enjoying their self in, in the town of Sussex. Is that a town? Is it a city? Is it a... Fuck, I don't know. Anyway, he goes in there, and of course, everybody immediately looks at him because he's covered from head to toe. Long trench coat, gloves, hat, dark sunglasses, his face is all wrapped up, and he walks directly to the bar, doesn't talk to anyone, and just requests a room. And, of course, the lady behind the bar, who is a great character, she's you know, says, well, we usually just rent out to the summer. We don't have a room ready. And he's kind of an asshole right off the bat. So instantly, not only is he giving everybody the creeps, but he's acting like a creep. You know, He's like, I want a room. I don't care. I'll pay for it, whatever. So she says, okay. She goes upstairs and sets him up. And it is funny how, and I don't know why they decided to do this because it's got to have something to do with the film. Maybe it just kind of shows the it's, – it's, 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 it's comedic, but – when she's going through the bar, she has to lift up. You know how bars have like a lift door? Um, like the bar lifts in one spot so you can walk through it is what I'm trying to say. But she has to do that to like three or four different doors just to get to the doorway. And it's it's really awkward. And I don't know why. I think they left it in there just to be funny because obviously it's their movie. They built the bar. They built all this stuff for the set. They could just remove that so she could walk through. So don't really know what the significance is, but your brain kind of shoots off when you're watching it like this is here for a reason, but I don't know what it is. Anyway take him up to his room and as soon as he gets up there of course he's still Mr. Mysterious with all of his shit wrapped up and he starts giving her commands like you know I want this I want that I don't want to be bothered during these times I want everyone to leave me alone and all this kind of stuff and she's like hey dude you know I already told you we weren't even renting rooms out so we're doing you a favor by even letting you up here why are you being a dick all right so we have this uh, great opening scene it draws you in instantly and then it the movie just gets right to work that's what I love about it, it gets you right into the story she goes up to give him lunch or dinner. I can't even remember what it is, but she opens the door and he's got half of his mask off trying to eat. Now, you don't really get to see it, and I don't think she really noticed it either because he pulls a napkin up over his face and he's like, I said I was not to be bothered, and he's still wearing all of his clothes and gloves and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. So she goes downstairs, and of course, everyone in the bar is gossiping. They, they play the small town idiots great in this film. So they're all gossiping about who she's like, oh, he's covered up from head to toe. Must be a horrible accident or some kind of disease or something. And they're trying to figure out what it is. And some of the guys are like, hide all the money. He's He's got to be running from the law. And some people are like, he's probably some kind of psycho or whatever. And it's really cool where they try to figure it out. So we push on to the next scene. And I think the next time she runs into him, she goes up there and bothers him. And he's got all this like mad scientist shit set up he's got beakers everywhere you know there's things bubbling and smoke and all this and he's mixing all these chemicals and this lady just busts up into his room and he's like i'm not to be bothered or whatever and like pushes her out and she's like she's arguing with him or whatever and she, he ends up kind of getting physical with her she freaks out and run down runs downstairs and she tells her husband like hey he's up there 
you know, jacking the place up. He's got all these beakers and stuff everywhere. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but I go up there and tell him he's got an hour to get out. We're not having this in our house. And then it shows the Invisible Man's part of it where he's up there kind of cussing like all this research, you know, hours and hours of making this ruined by a stupid woman. And you can tell just by the way he talks to himself and when they show scenes of him, he is not a nice guy. And it's funny because I guess I never really picked up on this from all the other Invisible Man, you know, recreations of the film. That the Invisible Man, because I thought, and maybe I just remember this wrong, but I thought he was kind of the, that he wasn't a bad guy. He was just somebody that was, got caught in this situation and then ended up making some bad decisions. And then, you know, he's just trying to find his way out of it. But now that I think back on it, I guess he has always played a villain, you know. And I don't know why that never clued in for him because he's murdering people and, you know, in all the other films and stuff. So it makes sense. But for whatever reason, how it's played out or maybe it's the fact that he's just human and it's some kind of mistake in a lab or whatever, that this is the case. And I think in this movie, it's not even a mistake. He meant to make this. So he made himself invisible on purpose. And he's doing what he's trying to do at this point is trying to make an antidote to make himself visible again. However, now that he's invisible, like I said, you get the idea very quick that he is a jerk he's a dick he's an asshole he doesn't care about people because he has brought himself to be this big brain you know super meta human individual that's just smarter than everyone and everyone else is just dumb and cheap and of course the town's folk play that role like i said very well and yeah so anyway lady goes downstairs tells the husband husband goes back up there and the invisible man is like all right you know what you guys want to know what's going on I'll show you what's going on. He ends up kicking the old dude out, and they bring the cops. And this is kind of where you realize, okay, this is going to sort of be a fun film. But all that being said, even though it's got some, you know, comedy in it and stuff like that, it's still pretty grim. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some murders in this movie. He causes a train derailment that kills hundreds of people. I mean, he strangles dudes. He throws people off of cliffs without even thinking about it. I mean, there's no like setup or nothing. He's just like, oh yeah, fuck you. Bam. Kicks a dude off a cliff. And some other guy goes to like, he's like, oh my God, where's Hank? And he's like, won't you join him? And tosses his ass off too, like right in front of all these people. So he is hardcore. I mean, when it comes to serial killers and, and stuff like that, I mean, he's, uh, he fits the part just as good as any of these guys. Really. I'd, I'd say he's a little more monstrous than, uh, the other classic monsters that we've seen so far, really, which I found pretty surprising. So anyway, the Police officer and the townspeople, they go up to the room to confront him and find out what in the world is going on. And the police officer, I, I guess he's a bobby or something. He's got the hat and the stick and all that kind of stuff. But he goes up to him and he's pretty much telling him, all right, you got to come with me for assault and all this other stuff. And that's when the invisible man is like, all right, you want to see my power, blah, blah, blah. And he ends up taking all of his stuff off. So, you know, he's butthole naked in there. But he gets invisible and he just starts attacking people, choking people out, hitting people with stuff, kicking them and all this other um, doing all these different things. And again, the effects are really cool. The acting of the people who are being attacked by nobody, very fight clubbish, you know, where you're just attacking yourself sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool scene. And well, I mean, I'm sure this was on purpose, but it almost seems inadvertently like you don't realize that this scene sets up something for later on in the movie, because all these people go to report what's happened and whatever the higher authority of police is there comes down and he's like, I think you're all mad. I think this is a hoax. I think this is just something to get money into your town and into your bar and all this. And you're all just stark raving mad. You're just a bunch of drunks. And it's also during this scene, while this guy, whoever he is, let's just call him the head of the police department or head of some division or whatever. I don't know. But while he's saying all this, the invisible man who does not want to be forgotten and wants people to know what his power is because he's just like, you know, this 
sadist of, you know, gone crazy with power, wants everyone to know who he is and fear him. He goes in there because he has to go back into that place to get some books, which is another part of the story. I'm not really going to walk through this whole film because I really, I think you should just see it. It's just cool. If, if you're going to pick two or three to watch out of the 31 that I cover this month, this is definitely one that you want to watch. And I want to say on, I think I watched this one on Prime for free. I think it's actually one of the few that is free because I, want, I think the next one I'm going to watch is them. And it's, you know, it's like three bucks, like three or four bucks. I'm like, holy shit, how are these old films? Who's getting this money? Okay, we talk about the writer's strike and all that kind of stuff and people want to get paid. And I agree that people should get paid for their works or some type of royalty. Just like if you, you know, play a song on Spotify or something, I'm sure, you know, whoever gets, you know, two pennies a song or whatever it might be. I don't know what it is, but I hope people are getting paid for their work. But who the hell is getting my $3.49 to watch a movie from 1945 about fucking giant ants and nuclear monsters? Like, that's that's crazy. It's crazy to me. But it also says a lot about cinema and art and how valuable it is and how long it can last. So, you know, good for them to making something that can transcend over almost 100 years now to something that's still entertaining and inspiring people today. All right. Anyway, sorry. Getting sidetracked. So he goes down there while this police officer is pretty much telling everyone they're crazy, and that's the report that he's going to give the public. Invisible Man comes down there, kicks around on a few people, and just straight up chokes this dude out. Chokes him out. He he goes unconscious, and then he takes a chair and smashes his, his brains out. Now, it's not going to show it because this is from 1933, but it does show the chair get picked up and then just drop right on his head. Pretty brutal, I thought, for this film from 1933. So if you're wondering... Why is the Invisible Man doing this? Well, it is told in an earlier scene where he goes back to meet with one of his colleagues and basically he gives him this whole big Pinky in the Brain story. If you don't know who Pinky in the Brain is, I think you know who Pinky in the Brain is. Anyway, they're mad scientist rats from an old cartoon called The Animaniacs. Just look it up. It's pretty awesome if you don't know about it. Anyway, he gives him this whole big long speech about how he wants to rule the world through fear and terror and all this other stuff. Just him by himself, being invisible. That's what he wants to do. And eventually maybe make some money off of it or whatever. But for right now, it's just about creating the havoc that he can with the power of just being invisible. Of course, his buddy is scared shitless because he knows this guy's already killed some people. But he doesn't want to do anything because he knows the dude can just, you know, snuff him out. So he agrees to help him out, and that's when he goes to kill the police officer and all that. But before this, that scientist and another friend of his went into the Invisible Man's lab. He has a name. I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't remember. I don't know. I'm doing my best with these. <laughs> but he, uh, they, they go into his lab, and the, he's already cleared everything out. And he burned all of his notes because he didn't want anyone else to have the power that he has. Of course, it's like his patent or whatever. You know, He doesn't want anyone else to have that. But they did find a list of ingredients, and one of the ingredients on there is monocane. And one of the fellow scientists there is like, oh, monocane, you know, in in all these different uh, English books, it's printed that it's just a bleaching powder. And it doesn't go much into it further than that, he said. But I just happened to read one German study that said they used it, injected it into a dog, and it turned the dog's skin, you know, a, a grayish white or whatever, he said. He goes, but the important part was is it made the dog mad. Now, not mad like an angry dog, okay? But, you know, think 1933. It drove him mad. The dog went nuts, berserk, crazy. And so, now we learn that that is what's happening to our poor scientist, hell-bent on world domination, is he's gotten into... He's gotten into some bad drugs, man. He put the wrong kind of thing in his vein, and now he just wants to take over the world and kill people. You know, shit, shit happens when you start throwing needles in your arm, I guess. 
right? There also is a love interest element into this story, as I've noticed with a lot of these other films that I've covered so far. They always try to shoehorn that into each one of these. But anyway, he does have a love interest. It is the daughter of the scientist that finds out about the monocane. So you understand now that they've worked together. They have kind of this relationship. They're friends. Also, he's dating her daughter. And she just wants him to come home. She says, oh, it's not the man that I know. I love him. I know this isn't him. He's, you know, Maybe we can help him. Maybe we can fix him. So they know all this stuff. They know he's running around killing people, and they don't go turn him into the police. Now, obviously, they couldn't like catch him and turn him in. But at least they could give them the information, but they don't because they want to try to help him. And this all culminates one night when they all meet together at one of the scientists' house who, you know, the Invisible Man has been forcing him to help him do kind of his dastardly deeds. They all show up over there, and when he sees Flora, which is the love interest in the film, this is when he has his first, I guess, he's already in a psychotic break, so what's the opposite? Um non-psychotic break he, he kind of deflates and turns back into this loving person like you can tell he cares about flora but even as he starts to tell her like hey i'm just looking for the antidote so i can be myself again or whatever but then you know he just can't help it he floats back into this you know maddening rant about you know world you, you know all world powers will fight over this and you know think of all the money and think of all the power that we can have and we could just keep it for ourselves i can do whatever i want and he even goes into a rant earlier in the film about what he can do as far as, you know, I'll kill people, I'll rape people, I'll rob people. I mean, uses those words. I thought, damn, 1933, you can talk about that shit? I don't know why I just feel like that was so... I mean, it's almost 100 years ago. I felt like shit was way different back then. But maybe it, it's not as different as we think. I don't know. So anyway, when all this happens, one of the guys ends up calling the cops. So the cops show up. They're already looking for this guy. They got hundreds of officers from all over the place to come down there and help them find this madman that's just running around the town killing people because now everybody believes it that there literally isn't a man that is invisible doing all this stuff so they all come to the house and this is what's so cool about the movie one it's because he's invisible so they have to use a lot of different effects to show that he is around and that he's doing things and and they're cool it's not you know it's not like in the dracula film when you when the bat is obviously just kind of bouncing off of a fishing string you know it's not corny like that i mean you can tell some of the books and all that stuff's just being lifted up by some strings or whatever but it it doesn't look bad at all i mean it doesn't take anything away from the movie it doesn't pull you out of you know the the feels and everything that the movie's trying to generate and all that. So I thought that was cool. And then also to see the stuff that the townspeople and that the police try to figure out different ways to catch this invisible man. So it also becomes, I guess you get involved in the mystery of it and how to solve this crime. So you start, you know, what do they call them, like true crime mysteries, where as you watch it, you're trying to figure it out too, like, oh, there was a blood stain on the carpet, but it couldn't have came from so-and-so or whatever. This film sort of does the same thing. So when they come to this house... You know, you're thinking, well, fuck, how would I how, how would I find the invisible man? How will I know? Look for a window to open or something? Like, is he going to make noise? Or, you know, we listen for, a, is he going to fart? I don't know. What is he going to do to notify that I'm going to know he's around? But what they do is they all link arms and start walking towards the house with the hopes that if, he, you know, some Red Rover, Red Rover, you know, send invisible man right over kind of bullshit that he's going to break through their arms. And, yeah, it's pretty cool. You're like, oh, okay, this is uh, movie logic. This will work. Sure. But... They don't let it work. He comes through, he messes with a couple of them and, you know, bonks them on the head and pulls their ear and other kind of just random goofy stuff. Does some more of his crazy laughter, picks a guy up by his feet and swings. I mean, just a lot of stuff. I will say, if there's only one thing you want to comment about this movie, I would say that it shows him to have some type of, I guess, super strength. He just does things that seems like it would be hard for 
who he is to do without some type of strength enhancement, I would say. But it's never expressly stated that any of the drugs or anything that he took made him stronger. So that's what I thought it was funny when he's talking about killing all these people. I was like, if you're choking, you know, somebody with your hands, they could just, even though your hands are invisible there, you can still touch them. You know I mean? He still is a solid mass. He just can't be seen, uh, you know, by your eyes. He's not, he doesn't refract, reflect light or whatever, I guess, but he's still a solid thing. So that part I thought was weird because there's, People that die kind of silly when they are a lot bigger than him. I think would be e- they could easily overpower him. But maybe you know that's the whole thing. That's his prowess, his the the power of fear and all that kind of stuff that he puts into. Pe- I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. So anyway, the uh, the invisible man he goes to the guy that calls the cops, who he thought was his friend, even though he's the one that's asking his friend to help him kill people all over the world. And he says, "You know what? You're a rat, and I'm going to kill you." And he says, "Sure as the sun rises tomorrow." You will be dead by 10 p.m. the next that night or something like that. But I mean, just a stone cold threat where he knows this guy means it. Like, hey, I'm gonna die tomorrow at 10 o'clock if you guys don't do something. And I thought that was cool. So now we got this other element. We can't see him. We can't find him. We got no way to figure out how to, you know, know where he's at at any given time. He can just kill whoever it will. And now we got a time limit thrown on this as well. The whole town's in a panic. It's just a lot. It's just a a lot of cool things that really keep this movie rolling forward and keep you engaged and, you know, interested in the film. And you know what? I think that's going to do it for tonight's episode. I don't really want to give the ending of this one away because I think if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. If you want to discuss the ending with me, you can slide in my DM, send me an email at just James at gmail.com or uh, just comment on the, the Instagram uh, post that I put up about this. But yeah, thought the ending was really cool. I'm glad that what happens at the very, very end does because I thought that was a nice, you know, nice payoff uh, for the people that were watching the film or whatever. But anyway, that was The Invisible Man, 1933. Check it. Wait, 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 wait. Before this episode ends, oh shit, I forgot to bring up about The Invisible Man, the most recent one that came out. I don't remember the actors or whatever, but basically Invisible Man is an abusive husband and it's about the wife dealing with him and everyone thinks that she's crazy and he kills some people and he wears like a body suit that has cameras that put the image around them outside so it's it's basically like some type of camo suit that he wears that makes him invisible has one of the best endings holy shit did you guys like that movie i know a lot of people didn't because it wasn't your classic invisible man story and it was super super heavy about the domestic violence and all that like it was not trying it was not subtle at all about how that is but I just want to say I love that movie and I love the fact that it wasn't subtle about and the story was about domestic violence because I've seen a lot of that in my career and what it does and it really is a great metaphor for what that is and if you know anyone that's ever been in this situation it almost is like they are this invisible man because people a lot of times in situation the the men who are doing this and and women do it too absolutely but the men that do it they are like the invisible man because no one believes the woman what when she says you know they're like oh I, i know you know fucking ryan or chad or whatever you know insert name here and, uh, and he's a good dude. I can't imagine he'd do that. Or they do know about it and they don't fucking say anything. So either way, you have this invisible man and you have this person, you know, their spouse that has to deal with this type of horror every day and no one believing them or no one wanting to hear what they have to say. So I really like that aspect of the movie. If you're not ready for that, then you're not going to like the movie. You're not going to enjoy it or it might be really, really hard for you to watch. But as far as it sticking true to the original 
It absolutely does not. It's not the intent of the movie, I believe. It definitely had a different kind of message and a different reason for going out there. Maybe we'll do a review on that one. I think it's been reviewed already by uh, quite a quite a bit, so I don't know if I could add anything to it, but I did like that aspect. If you haven't had an opportunity to see it and it sounds like something you want to see, again, it's not the same thing. It's not like the one with Kevin Bacon. I think he was in one of them. Or Ghost in the Machine is kind of like this. Or what was that one? Mnemonic Man or something. I don't know. There was one with Russell Crowe where he was in the machine or some shit. I don't know. That's not really the same thing, but sort of they all kind of lumped together for me. Anyway, I just wanted to comment on that movie really fast because it's a part of this Invisible Man, you know, uh, classification of films or whatever, and I thought it was cool. I thought it had a cool message. I thought it really did shine a light on domestic violence and what it can feel like and what it can look like and put it in a horror film and even more horrific that it's realistic in the way that this is the way that people like this uh, victims of domestic violence men and women are treated and I just thought oh god what a fucking intense film so yeah all right anyway sorry just had to add that before the show ended so back to the regular recording now day 10 of our 31 days of classic horror this is a just james horror review I'm your host, Just James. I hope your spooky season is kicking ass.